Hey, baseball fans, welcome to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast with your host, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman. Hello again, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Apple Sox podcast. I'm Joel Norman, and now the Apple Sox have completed their full-time coaching staff for this 2023 season, as you're going to get a chance to learn about the newest assistant hired here in this podcast. Colton Kelly is going to join me in just a moment, and he's got a great baseball journey that he has been on that's led him to the Apple Sox. A guy who's he's moved around from a few different schools and organizations, as you'll see in a little bit here, but I think those sometimes make the best coaches, the guys who have seen a lot, who have gone through a lot as well, and it's going to be a lot of fun to learn about him here in just a little bit. Before we get a chance to hear from Colton Kelly, the new Apple Sox assistant coach, let's hear what head coach Mitch Darlington had to say about the newest member of the 2023 Apple Sox coaching staff. I am uh, very excited to announce uh, adding uh, Colton Kelly uh, to our uh, coaching staff for next summer. Colton is a uh, assistant coach currently at Wenatchee Valley College, um, primarily working with outfielders and hitters. Um, and that's kind of the role we would see him in uh, with the Apple Sox next summer. Would love to see him, you know, have his input with our hitters. Um, I think we're going to kind of both um, kind of split those duties this summer and just kind of both work together on input and um, kind of just working with hitters. He'll have full control of uh, outfield, uh, probably be coaching first base for us, you know, and it's just good to keep that Wenatchee Valley College connection uh, for us with the Apple Sox. Um, you know, he, he knows the field, you know, knows local guys in the area. Um, and, you know, just having another guy that, you know, has eyes um, in the NWAC and, you know, seeing players for recruiting purposes that, you know, he may see throughout this spring season where, you know, I'm not as available to get out to some games. So really overall just excited about Colton. I think he's got a really bright future in coaching uh, and he's just getting started. So really happy to add him to our coaching staff. Before we dive into my chat with Colton Kelly, the new assistant coach for the Apple Sox, just a reminder that the 2023 season opens up for the Apple Sox on June 2nd against the Bend Elks on the road. However, after that, the Apple Sox will be back at home all the way again. This is a while out still, but their home opener is June 6th. If you're kind of looking for a timeline for when the 2023 season um, begins, But one of the best ways to be part of the action for the Apple Sox in this 2023 season is with one of their newest packages that's now on sale for this upcoming summer. It's the Double Play Ticket Package, which has 10 general admission ticket punches that you can use for all for one game or for maybe one for 10 different games over the course of the summer. It's a real value flex pack. That's $60. So think about that. You're getting 10 general admission tickets for $60. So you're paying about $6 a ticket there. A really good value to use over the course of the summer. You can purchase one of yours now by heading over to applesocks.com, going to the tickets tab, and then looking under at the season ticket packages that are available under purchase ticket packages here. It's also worth mentioning the season ticket packages are also extremely affordable for the summer. General admission tickets are on sale for $145. Those are those bleacher seating. You can kind of choose where you sit for those. Maybe one game you want to try out one spot. Maybe the next game you want to try out another spot. Really good value for those. Premium season tickets, if you want to lock in the same seat all summer with a seat back on it as well, those run at $245. 
And you can purchase those again going over to applesocks.com or if you want to email A-L-L-I-E, Ally at applesocks.com or you can also call 509-665-6900. Baseball coming up around the corner. Of course, spring training is a few weeks out. We're about a month away from the World Baseball Classic starting, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be a ton of fun to follow that. And even this year, I noticed a couple of guys' names with um, West Coast League experience on those, which I thought was really interesting. I was looking at Team Canada's roster, and I recognized an infielder, uh, Damiano Palmajani, who played for the Port Angeles Lefties back in 2019. So neat to see some of those recent West Coast League names represented. And, of course, that's only going to continue with the years that come. That's coming up in a month. And then, of course, Major League Baseball opening up their season A lot of college teams are already underway. That's kind of coming up right around the corner. Baseball and warmer days are on the horizon. That's kind of been uh, the thing I've been saying a lot as of late. But without further ado, let's dive into today's conversation as I had a chance to catch up with the newest assistant coach for the Apple Sox, Colton Kelly. So first things first, Colton, first off, welcome to the Apple Sox. And second, how did this opportunity come about for you and what really excited you about it? Well, I am an assistant under last year's pitching coach, Aaron Vaughn. So he's the head coach here at Wenatchee Valley College, and I do outfield here for him. So he knew he wasn't going to return for a second season, and he was going to give my number to Mitch. And long story short, I got the job. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. Aaron and Mitch, pretty good friends, of course, worked together on last year's Apple Sox team. What's it been like working with Aaron? Uh, you know, it's you guys, it looks like you're starting to really build something special at Wenatchee Valley College. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, he's first off, the first thing I noticed about Aaron is he's a very gifted recruiter. Him and his uh, pitching assistant, Garrison, both are very gifted. So in just two years, the turnaround of talent that Aaron has managed to bring to Wenatchee Valley College is just impressive in itself. And then you have who he is off the field. And I feel like in the last six months, just being around him, I feel like a better man because of it. I mean, just the way he goes about his daily business, talking about talking to people that he works with in the Student Resource Center. And then how he talks to us, his assistants, and how he talks to his wife and his daughter, Blair, and how he talks to the players, it's all the same. It's just a massive amount of respect, and we're just here to get better. One of the things I love about Aaron is, you know, he always preaches he wants to do things the right way. You know, you play well, but you also have exceptional character as well. And I I imagine that's something that's been made known to this year's players with, with the Knights. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, as little as the little things, as small as just picking up a piece of garbage, right, and putting it in the garbage can. Stuff like that. Hey, making sure that you're on the same page with your professors, reminding your teammates to, to be on time, like all that good stuff. Remembering that the person who never talks is still human. They still have feelings. It's just all that little stuff. It's little on a day to day basis, but it's huge to us because Aaron reminds us. That's very neat. Well, how'd you get started when Anchi Valley College? Because like you mentioned, that was a big connection that helped lead you to the Apple Sox. And it's really nice for the Apple Sox two years in a row to have a member of the coaching staff for the Knights with the Apple Sox. How'd you find out about Wenatchee Valley College and this opportunity? Well, the last two seasons, I was uh, an assistant coach under Shane Servos at Skagit Valley College here in the NWAC North. And so when he stepped down, I stepped down as the recruiting coordinator and the hitting guy as well. And I, I moved over here. All of my family is here. My fiance is here in Wenatchee. And so it just, I just happened to come across Aaron's uh, Indeed interview job post and he and I connected this summer, and that's how I got here at Wenatchee. So you moved to Wenatchee even before the job opportunity came up then, you're saying? I did, yeah. Me and my fiance moved over here kind of as a – we were going to work my painting business. So I own a, a small LLC, and I paint houses 
I said, we were going to move over here and do that and go back to the Midwest. And both of us got better job opportunities, me at the college and her here in town. And so we're just, we're here for the foreseeable future and trying to plant our roots here. Obviously, by painting houses, you're not referring to the the mob definition of that. I've been watching and reading a lot of mob stuff lately. So we know you're not that type of person, <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, just paint. Just paint. That's all I'm using. Regular old water-based paint. Very simple. Very simple. Different colors. So, <laughs> right. so anyway, though, we're talking about your opportunities. You do have some previous experience in the West Coast League that goes back to your playing career. Now, it was 2016. You played, and I think it was about 20 games with the Yakima Valley Pippins. How much did your time playing for them make you really want to come back into this league even after your playing career ended? Oh, man, that must have been – I'm impressed you found that, Joel. It must have been 2016. Yep. Right? So, oh, man, I still think about it. I think about the experience and the competition and the and the, the road games and traveling on the bus and staying in the hotels. I think about it all the time still. So when Aaron mentioned that it was a possibility, I knew for sure if I, if I got that opportunity, I was going to – run with it for sure i wasn't a great player in the west coast league but it was a ton of fun well it's a big jump too you know you're playing columbia base and you jump up to the west coast league we get a lot of guys over the course of the summer you know it's the mix of the junior college players and the division one players what was that transition like jumping from the juco to the west coast league knowing i'm going up against division one talent well i knew it was going to be hard because the guy i was supposed to replace in left field halfway through that summer season left to play for team usa so I know I know there's a lot of talent in the league, and it was a jump. I mean, you're going from seeing 85, 86 every day to seeing 92. That's just the regular, you know, and you're still doing it with a wood bat, which isn't always forgiving, right? So it was a huge jump, but I was really impressed with character doesn't go away, right? If you're a baseball person and you have good character, you'll stay in this game. If you got a bad character, it'll eat you up. No, it certainly will. And the nice thing you mentioned, the wood bats, you were using those at CBC before you jumped to the West Coast. Like, did that kind of help you out at all in the transition? It was, it was comfortable, but that speed, just that extra four, five, six miles per hour, it'll, it'll expose you for sure. I always like to ask hitters their different answer to this question is how do you prepare for different speed? Once you've experienced it and you know you're going to get it, like, you know, day one of your West Coast League career, you're probably, you're not necessarily expecting that. But now, Let's say you're a weekend, you're knowing, okay, I'm going to face a guy who's going to touch maybe 93 tonight. What's your approach as a hitter trying to get yourself used to that after being, like you said, hover, going against guys hovering in the, in the mid to late 80s? Well, it's going to start earlier in the day, right? Hopefully, like let's say last night, a hitter was getting blown up by a fast fastball. Hopefully the next day he's going to come in early and we're going to give him a little bit closer BP a little bit firmer fastball in the BP. If you wanted to go soft toss, we'll do a little bit firmer soft toss, just so there's less time to think. You can only react because that's really the difference. Is it Are you going to think about swinging or are you just going to swing? If you're just going to swing, you're on time. But if you're going to think about swinging, that's a small difference in the velo getting blown by it. It's an interesting approach because it seems like so much a summer ball is that is you can't overthink it because there's a game the next day. And it's it seems like that feel is a big part of something that for you as a player, is that something you preach a lot as a coach as well? Oh, absolutely. I'm all about put your feelings in the process, not the results. Right. So if you're worried about getting blown up by that fastball, that's a result. If you're worried about getting down on time and early, that's a process. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, obviously you're going to be working a lot with Mitch with the hitters this season as well. Um, you know, you're coming, you're coming to a team who had a lot of offensive success last year. 
How do you think your approach maybe from what you do at Wenatchee Valley College is going to differ to what you do in the West Coast League? Well, kind of like how we touched on earlier, we know that talent in the West Coast League is a little bit higher, right? We get higher level ball players. So I'm hoping that we don't necessarily have to teach that stuff, but maybe just remind those guys that, hey, this is we're not hitting into double plays. When we're on bases, we want to go first to third, first to home, score some runs, stuff like that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to working with high-level guys that come from these high-level D2s, these D1s, and seeing how they work day to day. And obviously you experienced this from when you played in the West Coast League. There is that everyday grind of it. It's like a professional schedule for two and a half months. You play every single day pretty much except for an occasional Monday or so. How do you keep – you know, everyone, including yourself in a way, and how did you, I should say this from when you played, how do you stay locked in and focused on the next thing over that process? Because I, I always say to people, I feel like summer college baseball makes or breaks people's baseball careers, whether they play or coach it moving forward, they learn when, whether or not they really love the sport in the summer. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with that. I think perspective, right? If, you, if you're where your feet are in the summer and you know, hey, this is, I want to win and I want to win championships, but this is also an opportunity to grow my skills and get better at maybe what I wasn't great at in my college regular season. Um, but other than that, I think it's a game of adjustments. It's always a game of adjustments. So as long as we can adjust, we'll get where we want to be. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about your playing career. So you had mentioned you were at a different, a couple different NWAC schools. I know you're a Columbia Basin, and that was 2016. Were you somewhere else 2017? Because there was a gap when I looked at your stats. So 2014, I graduated Mosley High School 2013. 2014, I played at Skagit Valley College. And then one of those weird transfer rules, I had to sit out a year to transfer to CBC. Gotcha. Immature brain. Thought I was going to get drafted by the Phillies. Filled out all the paperwork. Got a call on draft week. Never got called. Dra- uh, never got drafted. So I hung up the cleats. Year later, I realized, hey, let's finish a career. Let's get our bachelor's degree and let's move on with our life. So that's that's how I ended up at Oku. Okay, I see. So 2017 was a gap year. Then you're saying? Yep. yep. Okay, I want to clarify that as well. So wait, take me through that draft scenario then, actually, because so that was would have been after your 2016 season at CBC how did that come up and where were they kind of where were you thinking you were going to get picked at oh I it wasn't going to be in an early round I know that because I know they were looking at a lot of outfielders that specific year and their actual their number one overall pick was an outfielder from a high school but Gabe Boroff had known the area scouts for the Phillies there in Tri-Cities and I could run back in the day pretty well and that's something that they were looking at was the speed and you know halfway through that season they sent me a packet I got it from the Philadelphia Phillies and I filled it out and I sent it back and draft week comes. I'm playing for the Highline Bears in the summer. And this was before I got called to the Pippins. And so I'm in between games. I get a call from my area scout. says, hey, how much money do you need not to go back to college? And I made the mistake of telling them I could play for free. Never heard from them again. (laughs) Play for free. That's funny. That's funny. You're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say a number. <laughs> in retrospect, what number do you think you would have said? Just out of curiosity. Well, I called Gabor off after that, and I guess the number is 500000 Say 500000 half a million. Who's supposed to know they're worth half a million, though, you know? Yeah, but, that, it's a tough thing to do. But how much do you think you learned from that? And like you said, you, you, went, you took a break, and then you came back as well. Well, I think it gave me perspective. It, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, like, 
I was playing junior college ball. I had a decent season, like you said, and I was talking to the Phillies all year and I just thought my, my stuff didn't stink. And so it was one of those perspective things. If, if you're not locked in all the time, ready to go all the time, you might miss your opportunity. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a really interesting story. I don't think you hear about too many people with a situation like that, where you, you kind of have to reset yourself, uh, so to speak as well. And then eventually transferred of course to Oklahoma Wesleyan. What was it like going over there? And, uh, how, how fun were those two years? You were part of two pretty solid ball clubs there. Yeah. I mean, talk about the difference in IQ level, right? Like you can get away with just being a good athlete at the junior college level. But when you get to that four-year level, you got to know what to do with the ball and when to do with it. Right. And it's, it's, you got all Americans on the mound. You got all Americans at first base, this, that, and the third. If, if you mess up a, an opportunity to make them look good, you, you could be taking some chances off away from them. But I mean, Junior year, I played for Matt Parker, who's sitting at a, a head coaching record of 467 wins and 152 losses, right? So it's just that day-to-day grind is impounded in you. If you're not doing it the right way, you're doing it the wrong way, and it just there's no room for it. And then I got to play under Kirk Kelly my senior year, and he's amassed over 700 wins as a head coach himself, right? So that that winning mentality, that day-to-day grind, it's just been instilled in me thanks to Oklahoma Wesleyan. You talk about your coaches a lot there. Did they have an effect on you that maybe led you want to go into coaching in particular? Oh, big time. Like I mentioned the baseball IQ. I mean, you think you, I mean, you get through two call two years of college baseball and you think you know what you're doing. And then you get with a guy like Matt Parker and his longtime assistant, Noe Ruiz. And you really learn about the game. You really find out, Hey, am I a good teammate or not? Do I know what's happening next or not? And then you come to a guy like Kirk Kelly and it's all about community. It's all about selflessness. It's all about there's more important things than what you have going on in your life right now. And you, you always have time to give yourself to somebody else. So I'll never, I'll never regret the, uh, the lessons I learned from both those guys. Let's talk about some of your memories on the field those two years because you raked at the plate. 341 batting average in 2018, 387 in 2019. Both years, you guys are the conference, I believe, regular season champions and then tournament champions I mean, what was some of your favorite moments on the field there, maybe game action those two years at Oklahoma Wesleyan? Oh, junior year, Kyle Fimbres threw a, a perfect game, a nine-inning perfect game, right? So that that's something that sticks out to me. But I just – I tell my players all the time, man, like I got to see all Americans work on a day-to-day. That's, that's not an honor I was ever good enough to receive, but I saw those guys work. And I, so I just followed their instinct and worked like they did. And so I think that's what sticks out to me the most is when I think about Oku, I think about my teammates and how they showed me how to be a good friend, good teammate, and a good baseball player. Now, as we've talked about with your coaching career, you've kind of been focusing a lot on outfield, uh, being an outfield coach at places, so working with the defense in that regard. Take me through what that process is like and what can fans expect your role to be like in the summer in that capacity? Because I imagine it'll be semi-similar to what you're doing with Wenatchee Valley College, what does an outfield coach do to someone who may not have any idea what that does? That's a great question because I think, and I'm fortunate to say this, I think it's rare to have somebody who knows what they're doing in the outfield come coach the outfield specifically. Um, My big thing is minimizing movements, right? And you can go all the way up to the big league level and you're seeing right fielders run into center fielders. You're seeing left fielders six hop the catcher. It just seems that quality defense in the outfield at every level has just not become – it's not a priority anymore. 
And so I like to preach, let's minimize the movements. Let's know where we're going with the ball. You don't have to be a hero. Let's field the ball clean. Let's get it in quick. And uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I'm At Skagit Valley last year, I got promoted to recruiting coordinator. So I got to do a little bit more outside of baseball. And I was also the full-time hitting coach. So I got to do basically three jobs in a season, which I enjoyed. Here at Wenatchee, we're coaching hitters kind of as a committee. But I still get to put my imprint on the outfielders. And I think they're ready to go. I think what we're learning transfers to every level of baseball because I don't think we're teaching it at the high school and younger levels anymore. Yeah. Once you get into that college approach, I think regardless of the level, it's pretty applicable for a lot of guys. So you've had a lot of time to uh, work at Paul Thomas senior stadium. You've gotten a chance to see all these spacious spots of that outfield. It's um, I think you can agree. It's got its quirks to it. And I think a lot of those are with the outfield, uh, the right field area, the left field, you know, every little part of it, the, the deep center field gap, that little left center side as well. It's just, it's got a lot of quirks to it. What are some things you kind of learned about the outfield as a defender that kind of have to be something that you guys have to master with the Knights and then with the Apple Sox in the summer? Well, you just got to have really good communication, right? The last thing you want is a fly ball drop in between the center fielder and a right fielder just because they didn't want to take ownership, right? The next big thing is you got to know where to go with the ball. But other than that, if you're at this level and you're in the West Coast League and you're playing outfield, they can throw a catcher out in the outfield and he'll do good enough, right? Because of the IQ. But at the junior co college level, what I'm learning about the outfield is we, we struggle with the ground balls, the hard hit ground balls, because we want to field it and throw it right away. Instead of fielding it clean, getting a good grip, and then getting rid of it, we want to be fast. So that's something that we've been working on. But yeah, at, at Paul Thomas Sr., I love that it's not just a traditional arc in the outfield. You got to have some understanding of, hey, the wall is a little bit closer here than it is that way, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely has its quirks with that. And, you know, with all the scrimmages I imagine you guys have had in at this point, even just later in the day workouts at the field, you've probably noticed how there's kind of that jet stream out to right field once the sun goes down. Um, how much yeah. does that excite you in a little bit as someone who's going to be working with uh, hitters in the summer as well as in addition to this uh, this college season? Well, it's exciting because maybe I convinced righties to to sit on that outside pitch a little bit longer and want to hit it instead of just taking it. And then it's it's a dream for lefties, right? I think oh, about yeah. lefties coming in, and if they're pull happy, they're going to have a great summer. So it's something I'm excited for, especially when it warms up. Yeah, it's especially in the summer. It feels like it's even more than. I've come to games in the spring when the nights are playing, and when it's dark out, it doesn't seem like the ball will fly as much out that way to right. But, boy, once the summer hits and once the, the sun starts to go down, the wind carries out to right field from about the sixth or seventh inning on each night. So – it was something like that where the wind comes into play going to one position as an outfield coach. What do you teach your right fielder in an instance like that? If they're playing at Paul Thomas after the, the sixth inning in, you know, mid June. And so what I think as an outfield coach, which isn't my call, right? This would be up to the head coach. So I'm thinking let's put the center fielder in right field, right? Let's let's, if, if the jet stream is going to go towards right field or right center, let's let our guy who can really track the ball play in that area. Right. Let's make center field a right field. Let's make right field the center field and he'll just get on his horse and play, you know, but we'll also have if we got lefties up, we'll play pole and we'll play deeper than normal. If we have oppo guys up, righties up, we'll play in and we'll play the pole side to, for the righty. So I'm not worried about getting burned as much on right handed hitting to that to that wind gap. But mm -hmm. the left handers, we're going to have to play deeper, keep the ball in front. Interesting. So you're talking about the guy you pretty much, if it's a lefty hitting out that way, you want the guy who can cover the most ground out in right field then? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And same thing. You know, if, if we have a short porch in left field and we have a big righty that can hit, I want my guy who can run, let's put him in left. You know, he's not going to get action in center. Let's put him in left and see how that works. No, I, I kind of, I like that idea. It's a little different for sure, but it's, um, it's an interesting way to approach it as well. I want to talk a little bit back, going back to your time. We've, we've been talking a lot about Paul Thomas senior stadium. You got to see a few different parks uh, in your time in the West coast league. I'm looking back. You had road trips to Kelowna, Kitsap, who's no longer in the league, of course, uh, Victoria, and then one game at Corvallis for the postseason. Which one of those four parks do you remember? Uh, what was your favorite place to go to? Because each park on the West Coast League has its own quirks to it. Yeah, I remember I remember going to Victoria and playing against the Harbor Cats. And I remember it so bad because the fans got after me. Because back then I was <laughs> 21 losing my hair, right? And so they got after me. Now it's okay, right? It's normal now to be almost 30 and bald, so that's normal. But I remember Victoria because the fans got after you, and they got after you good. Interesting. And I imagine, I'm looking at the schedule when you guys played them. That would have been early August, you know, August 5th, 6th, and 7th, 2016. So, I mean, that place always has fantastic weather. But at that time, I imagine pretty darn good as well. So probably a big crowd on hand when you guys were there. Oh, big crowd. And they were... They were drinking their beverages for sure. <laughs> Home field advantage, right? <laughs> Big time. I, it's it's. I was hoping when I was looking at your statistics that there'd be some trip that maybe you took to Wenatchee at some point, but of course it didn't happen. Um, and it's a bummer though because now that you've got your history with having played for Yakima Valley, Apple Sox don't go to them unfortunately in 2023. So uh, would have been really cool to have had that, but. I imagine at some point, are you going to try to connect with anyone from down there? Any like old host parents or anything like that? Yeah, I'm still, I mean, I'm still Facebook friends with my host parents and I still, you know, follow along some teammates and what they got going on. Some guys still playing. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We, um, I actually, the Dub C fish sticks were on our schedule for the summer yeah. and I played for them in their inaugural season when they were the Highline Bears. Okay. So that was, which season would that have been that you were with them? That would have been 2015. 15. Okay. What was your experience like there? That's um, they have a great oh. relate. The Apple Sox and them have a great relationship. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not tight with them too much anymore. I think everybody that I was kind of involved with is, is gone for the most part, but the head coach at the time was a guy named Todd Coughlin and he was just kind of getting back in the game. And he tells the story that he had a big whiteboard with hundreds of names and he had to go recruit throughout the spring and stuff. And then we get to the opening day right at, at uh, right there in uh, White Center. And we threw two pitchers, both from Central Washington University, and we gave up one hit, and we ended up walking it off in the bottom of the 13th inning. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool for inaugural season, first game ever played. Pretty fun summer then overall there. For, you know, for a first-year franchise, there's always challenges with that, but pretty good year, though, overall. Yeah, I like to compare it to uh, – you ever seen the Battered Bastards of Baseball documentary on Netflix? Oh, yeah. I, I recommend that to everyone. Yep, same. I, I actually make my players watch it every year. <laughs> I but like that. I compare it to that. I, you know, a bunch of ragtag guys who, who didn't get to go play West Coast League or somewhere else, right? They're stuck in the PIO, and nobody knows anybody. There, I think opening night there was 45, 50 of us players, you know? <laughs> It was it was cool. They, they they managed to pack out the stadium. It was awesome. It was like out of a movie. I think that movie is great for any ball player who's playing junior college or any college baseball right now. It's just that reminder of the love of the game. I feel like 
that you have to have. And it's so important, even as you're progressing in your career, regardless how it goes, I think it's just so important because of that movie. Cause that's like you said, those guys were just, they just kind of love the sport and we're just trying to do their best in that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got 38 year olds playing for 500 bucks, right? That's awesome. No, for love of the game, for sure. For sure. Uh, looking ahead though, more to the summer with the Apple Sox, what are some things that, excite you the most about this opportunity it's got to be thrilling enough for you when you found the Wenatchee Valley College job and then this opportunity popped up in the West Coast League what excites you about getting to work with you know Mitch Darlington and his and his Apple Sox this summer well I'm, I'm excited to be uncomfortable to be honest with you because the NWAC I'm comfortable with the NWAC I played at two different schools in the NWAC I'm going into my third season coaching in the NWAC I, I I'm confident with this level I, I I'm confident with my knowledge to teach this level so I'm really excited to be uncomfortable, be around some higher level guys that are around really high level coaches all year round. And I'm excited to learn from them just as much as I can teach them. No, I think it'll be an awesome opportunity in that sense, because what I love about the West Coast, and you got to witness this when you played a little bit, it's just such a melting pot of players. You've got the Juco guys, you've got the Division Two guys, you even get some Division Three in there, and you get the Division One players. Everyone's just kind of trying to find their footing. I think a lot of guys believe they're in different spots than others, but what I like is that pretty much everyone is on the same level. You're all trying to prove yourselves one way or another. Right. Yeah. Because you, you, like you said, you get all those, those division guys and you got Juco guys and you might have the best Juco guy from his Juco team, but you also might have a bench player from that D one. So the experience levels are different as well. So I, I'm excited to see all those mesh. How much have you been talking with Mitch in addition? I know this week you accepted the job, but before that, you know, had you come into contact with him at all? What's that, what's that been like so far? I know Mitch. I'm familiar with the name, and I've been familiar with it since about 2013. I know he was at Big Ben when I was graduating high school at Moses Lake High School, so we've, we've heard of each other. He coached with Jamison Lang out of, out of uh, Big Ben, and he was my coach in high school as well, so we come from a similar coaching tree. But other than that, I haven't gotten to sit down and talk to him about the season quite yet. But the the phone calls that I've had, it sounds like we're going to have a good time. It was funny when you brought it up earlier, your coach with the Dub C Fish Sticks having like that whiteboard of players. I always picture Mitch is that way. He's got this like set up in, a, in like uh, in his room or somewhere like in an office. And he's just, you know, scratching off names. He's looking at video on the side. Uh, he's locked in to the recruiting, which is yeah. so fun in the offseason. Here I will we'll text each other. Oh, this guy's looking really good. Or, oh, these guys are on this list right now. So it's I think it's what makes it so fun for you as a guy who you're busy with your spring season, though. How much are you kind of keeping up with? maybe some of those guys who he's mentioned who the Apple Sox have signed. Is that something who, you know, you'll keep an eye on stuff or something like that, you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely check in on stats and stuff. If not for anything, it's just so I can build some sort of personal relationship with the guys uh, when they get to town. So let's say one of our guys coming in has a, a slow May. It's something I could kind of – he and I could go back and forth on, maybe pick fun, build a relationship, become personable. Now it's easier to coach each other and work with each other every single day. You mentioned one of the things you were excited about with the Apple Sox was being uncomfortable, trying you know something new. What are your goals specifically in addition to that? Maybe it's improving a little bit as well, but what are the specific goals you've set out, not just for yourself, but maybe for the team as well this summer uh, in your time with the Apple Sox? Well, I know, I know Mitch made playoffs last year, so that's, that's a goal right off the bat. If we did it last year, let's do it again. I'm one of those types that I understand summer baseball is a development thing. It's a fun thing. We sell tickets. We have a relationship with the fans. But I'm also in the mindset that there's a championship that's winnable. 
So you might as well go win it. No, absolutely. You mentioned how it's nice that you'd already moved to Wenatchee. Wenatchee Valley College job came up. Now the Apple Sox job comes up. What does it mean to be able to work so close to not just your current home, but also not too far from Moses Lake either? How nice is that to be able to work somewhere nearby like this for at least a full year? Oh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. I mean, there's that small prospect, maybe maybe midway, midway through the summer, Mitch is asking around, hey, do you know any players? It's, it's a cool opportunity for me to reach into my bag and say, hey, I, I know the coaching staff at Moses Lake High School. I know the coaching staff at Efreda High School. Let's reach out and find out something. I look forward to those possibilities. No, I, I have to bring it up because Moses Lake did have a West Coast League team, the Moses Lake Pirates. Do you have any memories of them at all? They had a year they knocked off the Apple Sox in the, in the postseason. And, uh, you know, when you look back and you see it's a franchise that's folded, you kind of go, oh, that's, that's kind of a bummer. But you know, they had a good yep. little run in their brief time in the, in the West Coast League. Yep, and I know that Gabe Boroff was the head coach of one of their final season teams, you know, and so I played under him. So that's kind of a full circle thing. But – I, I moved to Moses Lake the summer of their final season. So I remember sneaking into the fences with my friends and watching the game, one game. But other than that, I don't have any uh, too many memories of the Pirates. Still pretty neat, though, nonetheless. Where's, yeah. your, where's your love of baseball come from? I like to ask everyone this. How did it start for you? And, you know, what keeps it being more than just a career in the sense that I assume it's a passion as well? Oh, it's absolutely a passion. At this point, it kind of feels like, a party is missing if you're not part of a baseball team when baseball season comes around. Um, it's just that drive. It's that being comfortable, being uncomfortable, not not knowing the knowledge of pitching or not knowing necessarily how to coach catchers. But that's my passion. I want to know that. I want to be able to help out everybody. I want to be able to help out kid A, B, C, and D when they come to our kids' camps. I just I don't want to just be able to only help one person. So that's my main motivation is to keep learning the game of baseball so I can share it. Awesome. Well, Colton, it's been a ton of fun talking with you about this. We're excited to have you on board with the Apple Sox this summer. Uh, thanks for spending a little bit of time here as well. Hey, I appreciate it, Joel. That was new Apple Sox assistant coach Colton Kelly joining me. Really nice to chat with him. Seems like he's got a lot of great energy that he's going to be bringing to the Apple Sox here this season. So if you're one of those fans seated over in Section A, make sure to know his name now so you can give him a round of applause every time he jogs over to first base at the start of each home game. Going to be really fun to get this 2023 season going in a few months here. And just to give you an idea of where we're coming at with our upcoming content for the Apple Sox podcast. If you've been listening to this one or any of the recent ones, you've noticed they've been coming out a little bit more regularly, and that's by intention. We're getting really close to the part here where we're going to start introducing the members of the 2023 roster to you. That's coming up here that first week of February, so just a few weeks away from getting to that point and a lot of fun stuff coming up here for the Apple Sox because that's going to begin for us uh, the week, uh, I think it's going to be right around March 2nd or 3rd, and we're going to start to do that. So stay tuned for that. You're going to learn some of the returning members of the Apple Sox first, and then you're going to dive into uh, some of the newcomers, which is it's fun when we do the roster reveal. It's really fun to reflect back on the summers of the guys we've already seen. But I think my favorite part is you treat every player, returner or newcomer, exactly the same because you don't know who's going to have that much of an effect that summer. You know, you think back a year ago, and I was just recounting this story with uh, head coach Mitch Darlington, where I was saying, you know, at this time last year, it was a scramble and just a, an absolute crazy search to even find any pictures of Joe Ichiro Oyama. It was hard to find him. His name wasn't really out there yet, 
Boy, did he put himself on the map, though, with the summer that he had last year. Going to the Cape Cod League now this coming summer, and uh, I imagine you don't have a hard time finding pictures of him anymore. So this is kind of the fun thing about the West Coast League, and I talked about that a little bit with Colton during this podcast, is that everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone's trying to make a name for themselves. So as I always say, you know, make sure to welcome these guys over the course of the summer if you're a fan in Wenatchee because it's a great way to, to learn some of these names because you don't know where some of these guys are going to end up in their playing career someday. So thanks again for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. We've got a fun chat coming up next Friday. I'll be chatting with the first MVP winner at Apple Sox history. So maybe some of you who are pretty uh, aware of the history of the Apple Sox, you might know who that is, but you also might not. So stay tuned with that. We're going to be going back into the history books and back down memory lane in early stages of Apple Sox history to chat with the first league MVP winner in Apple Sox history. That's coming up next Friday, but that's been it here for today. I'm Joel Norman, and thank you for tuning in. This has been the Apple Sox Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox Podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.